This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the new classic, executive, and bold full-focus planners. Find out more at lead2.win slash planner. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt, and this is Lead to Win, the weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. In this episode, we're talking about something every leader needs to know, how to use your executive assistant effectively to make you more productive. Megan Hyatt-Miller is on parental leave with her newly adopted daughter, Naomi, but I'm joined today by Larry Wilson, as usual, and also a special guest, my own executive assistant, Jim Kelly. Hey, Jim. Hey, Larry. Hey, Hey, Michael. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing super. Awesome. Good to have you both here. Well, we're on lead to win, so we're we're winning today. Exactly. I mean, what else do you need? right? (laughs) Right. Well, hey, Michael, um, you have a new book coming out. I do. Uh, Your World-Class Assistant, Hiring, Training, and Leveraging an Executive Assistant. So that's part of the reason why Jim is here today. But before we jump in, you know, as always, a little background on the subject. We talk about leadership, and you write a book about an executive assistant. Where's the connection here? Yeah, I think this is probably the most underutilized resource that leaders make use of, and that is an executive assistant. I think a lot of leaders may have an assistant, but they're reluctant to use one or they just don't see the value of it. And so I wrote this book because I think it can change everything. And this is designed to help you understand how to leverage this relationship. And I think for most leaders, they're missing a major opportunity to increase their productivity because they're trying to do it all themselves. They don't know where they need to be focused and where they could use an executive assistant to leverage what they do. But done right, this is the most important hire you'll ever make. And so I want to show people how to get this right, and there's a whole lot riding on it. Jim, how about you? Yeah, Larry, I'm excited about this book. Uh, For one, for being an EA, if you're an executive assistant out there, I wish I had this book when I first became an EA. It's that good. It would have saved me a whole lot of time and energy trying to figure it out myself, how to be an EA. And then if I was an executive, you need this book as well. Because it's going to save you time. It's going to save you energy. I mean, time is really our most valuable asset. How nice would it be to get some time back in your life? And you're going to get that by this book, by hiring an EA and leveraging that EA. Jim, how does it feel to know that you're actually the laboratory in which Michael develops new material? Well, this is super exciting. I was telling, I think I was telling Nick, our producer, that I have never been uh, talked about as world-class really anything. So this is really cool that world-class assistant, it seems really powerful and fun to hear that of myself. But yeah, this is, this is awesome. I mean, it's, it's time tested. We do this with our EAs. Uh, Michael's been working with an EA for a lot of his career, majority of his career. Yeah, so 40 years. Yeah, 40 years. So this is time-tested principles that we utilize with our team of VAs. So we're here to help you guys. Well, this brings us to really the, the meat of the show today, which is to talk about how this relationship works and how to leverage a world-class EA. So we're going to talk about three areas of operation these are actually really broad areas that everybody in business is involved in. And we'll talk about how the EA relationship can help in these three areas of operation. Now, the one thing 
I want to point out as we begin, we're not really going to cover nearly all that's in the book or that there is about an EA right. relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff you maybe will wonder about, and probably at some point we'll just begin saying, you know, there's a little bit more about this in the book. One of the things we're not going to talk a lot about today, but I think we should start the conversation with, is would you just briefly describe the communication rhythm between you two? Because that really underlies the whole relationship. So Michael and I meet every Monday. Uh, Usually we were meeting in the mornings on Mondays, but Michael's calendar got switched around a little bit. Now we're meeting in the afternoons. We meet every Monday to discuss how his weekend was. We first start out our our, uh, meetings with, hey, how was your weekend? We start out with our wins for the past weekend. And then we go into the calendar for the next week. So we look ahead on each item of the calendar. And if there's an item on the calendar that Michael doesn't know about, or it's the first time that he's seeing it, I provide a little bit of context behind that. Um, So we look ahead on the calendar. And that helps me, by the way, prepare for those meetings. If there's anything I need, or if I need uh, Jim to run down some research or give me more more information, which frankly is very rare because he usually has it all at Mm -hmm. hand uh, for that meeting. Mm -hmm. So we talk about that. And then I usually try to batch a lot of my questions that I've had from the previous week into that meeting. So I don't want Michael to be distracted throughout the workday with my questions, especially if they're not urgent. So what I would do is I would put all those questions into the agenda. And then I usually rapid fire the questions to Michael and say, hey, do you have a few minutes more for questions? And I go one by one for the questions and I knock out usually if I have 10 questions, we knock them all out in a few minutes and it's super helpful for me. Yeah. And just to be clear, this meeting is about a 30 minute meeting. Mm -hmm. So it's not a long meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in and out. We do it by video conference because typically Jim, we have an office, but Jim is typically working out of his home. I'm typically working out of my home office. We go into the office occasionally. Sometimes we meet face to face, but not usually. Now to clarify, this is uh, the start of every day or the start of the week? Just the start of the week on Mondays. And then we also have one other meeting that we do, but it's it's through Slack. Um, it's through an integration called GeekBot. GeekBot. And it's pretty much like a stand-up meeting. So GeekBot will prompt us with three questions each day. Uh, and I answer the questions and Michael's answers the questions separately. And then the uh, answers to those questions get posted in the shared Slack channel that we have. And those three questions are, how are you feeling today? What's your big three for the day? And is there anything blocking your progress? And by asking those three questions, we really run the gamut of um, what's going on in our lives as well as what we're focusing on for that day. Um, so it's, really, it's been really helpful for us. Well, I get the, the last two questions. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to accomplish? And is there anything blocking your progress? Because that, that gets at productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, well, I assume you chose the questions. Why the first one? Uh, how are you feeling? First of all, as an Enneagram 3, I'm not always aware of my feelings. And one of the things I've learned is how I'm, how I'm feeling really does affect my productivity. Now, I don't let my emotions you know, drive the bus, but I think it's, it's just good to know. So like I know, want to know, for example, if, if Jim, like I think it was last week, you know, had a cold and you know, he's not functioning at 100%. And so I want to just be aware of that as his supervisor and, you know, not load him up with stuff. The most important thing he can do is get some rest and get over it. And conversely, I want him to know, you know, exactly where I'm at. Like, for example, yesterday, I think I let you know that I was out at a late dinner after a very long day and it was getting a slow start. 
And so I wasn't feeling up to, you know, full capacity like normal. Well, let's get into these three areas of operation in which an EA can really help you become more productive as an executive. The first one is managing communication. Now, let me clarify. We just talked about communication between the two of you, but this is really about communication with other parties, either external parties or internal within the company. Why don't we start with email? Because I think that, for most leaders, takes up an enormous amount of time. I haven't met really many people that love it, but it has to be done. That's one of the primary ways that people from outside our organization, particularly people outside my client and company, contact us. So where it really begins with the fact that we have multiple inboxes. So by that, I mean, I have a public account and we don't publicize this email address, but it's the one that I give out to everybody with the exception of key staff members and my family. Everybody else has what we refer to as my public account. So that's what's on my business card. And again, if somebody asks me as a conference for my email address, whatever, that's what I give to them. Then I have a private email address that really is where Jim drags the public stuff into that address. Those are messages that require my response. So if they're not in there, then I don't respond. Now, the reason I did this is back in the day, I would get you know 200 email messages a day and I could spend literally all day responding to those emails that come in. But as it is now, Jim may give me four or five a day and that's all I have to attend to. And he handles everything else on my behalf. Four or five a day. Yeah. Does that sound like not very many? Uh, <laughs> no, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, I Nirvana. get I get, <laughs> I get more spam than that. Right? <laughs> yeah, that sounds uh, like not very many at all. Yeah. Well, it, what it does is it allows me to stay focused on the places where I have the most value because the truth is responding to email, you know, has to be done. Somebody needs to do it, but it's not the highest and best use of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Jim, one of the questions I think people will have, because I get asked this all the time, and you've been asked this too, I know, is when you respond on my behalf, do you respond as you or do you respond as me? I always respond as myself. So I'll say, if um, you ask me to respond, I'll say, hey, Michael asked me to respond on his behalf. This is Jim Kelly, Michael's executive assistant. And then I'll go into the body of the text. So I'm always responding as myself. Do people ever get offended at that? Like, who does he think he is at? that he can't respond to me himself? Not that I know of. No one's ever told me that they're offended, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I think people understand that, hey, email is probably not the best use of your time. And they're getting the same response as if it was you responding. Exactly. They're getting the same answer. And they're getting and it faster. They're getting it faster, exactly. Yeah. So if we can get back to them and, and close the loop, get them the, the information they need, they seem to be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, how many, how many emails a day do you think you're taking out of Michael's inbox? He doesn't get as many as he used to. It sounded like you got like 200 back in the day. I would say he probably gets like 40 to 50 a day now. I'm dwindling that down to about five. Yeah. Yeah. Part of those is that a lot of the messages I used to get when I was, you know, a solopreneur now go to customer service. Mm, We have another public, public email address. Like if you write to Michael at michaelhyatt.com, I don't mind giving that email address out because I never see it. That goes, that goes to customer service. And then they escalate it. If it's something that really I should like a speaking request or whatever, that will come up to Jim and he'll see it. But otherwise customer service can handle that, that kind of thing. So that's part of the reason. Plus we also use some automated tools like SaneBox. 
you know, and, and a lot of the replies that come in are like, you know, calendar invitations or whatever that don't really require a lot of time. Yeah. Same box and unroll.me are just two great resources to really cut down on the emails. And what is unroll.me? So unroll.me is, I set it up on my email as well as Michael's. Um, so you could lump all of the subscriptions that you have. So if you have subscriptions to uh, Best Buy or Amazon and you're getting these, you're usually like getting maybe 10 of these a day. And it's just like, oh man, another one of these emails, you just lump them all together in just one email a day um, where you could see all of your subscriptions. Um, so it just makes it a lot easier than getting them throughout the day and becoming distracted with emails. Yeah. It also provides kind of a universal interface or user, single user interface where you can unsubscribe from any email without having to try to, you know, find the unsubscribe link yeah. in that yeah. particular email. Mm-hmm. Well, that alone is worth signing up for. That- yeah. Oh, it's, it's yeah. great. I think it's free too. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I think that makes it easy for us to to respond to emails and for you to do it efficiently is email templates. You want to talk about that? Yeah, no, I love email templates. Uh, I was actually using a lot of them today. So this morning I was calendar proofing your calendar for next week. And as part of that process, I reach out to all the people that you have appointments with next week. And I use... Let me, let me just yeah. stop you right there because this the whole calendar area mm-hmm. is so vital, but we're really not going to have time to cover that. Okay. Could you just define what calendar proofing is? There's more about it in the book, but just so people know what yeah. that is. Yeah. So calendar proofing, I usually set aside focus time in my schedule, either Wednesday or Thursday, to look ahead in Michael's calendar for the next week. It could be a little bit monotonous, but man, when I don't do it, I hurt myself because uh, I'm not checking all the boxes. So I go through Michael's calendar appointment by appointment just to make sure that he has all the details that he needs, all the confirmations with other people that he's going to be working with or meeting with. Um, And yeah, that's that's pretty much the process, just looking ahead in the next week and making sure Michael has everything that he needs before he gets into that week. So that's calendar proof. Because a huge waste of my time, if I show up an appointment and the other party forgot it, you know, I'm sitting there wasting my time. And because Jim proves the calendar that I've got that, or I've got the information I need. Like I, like yesterday I went on a podcast interview and Jim puts the questions in the appointment. So I know what the background on the host, what he wants to talk about, here are the questions, whatever. Well, that makes sense now why I typically get Slack messages from Jim on Wednesday yes. saying, yeah. <laughs> do you have the documents that Michael will need to review for the meeting next Thursday? That's totally. right. Well, it's not Thursday because that's meeting free, but for yeah. for the meeting next week. So totally. yeah, it's effective. Thank you. Thank you. And we were so, talking about yeah. email templates. So mm-hmm. let's get back to that. Yeah. So templates save me a ton of time. They save, well, you're not handling as many emails, but just in general, I always say if you could template it, if you're going to do it, more than once, create a template yeah. out of it. So like I said, I, I reached out to all these different people trying to confirm these appointments with you. So I have a template that I use. I, I mainly use a combination of Spark and Gmail. Um, so I go into Gmail when I'm writing these templates and it's just click on canned responses and I have a canned response uh, meeting reminder. And I set that out. I put that in an email and then I change a few fields based on the person's name or try to personalize it a little bit more. So it's not um, totally canned. It's not totally canned. I, I try to personalize yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not, hello, name. Um, hope you're doing well. It's, hello, Bobby, or hello, Larry. Um, so I try to personalize it, but and then I, 
I change all the descriptions based on what time Michael's meeting with them or where the location is, but it just saves me so much time. And um, so canned responses and then text expander. I've been using that a lot recently and you can use templates with the, the program text expander. And that's been super helpful and saves so much time. Jim, here's a question I've always wanted to ask every assistant everywhere. Do you answer Michael's phone? I do not answer Michael's phone. So Really? I don't. I don't. But the cool thing is, and Michael, do you want to talk about this? About Because it, it was yeah. really your idea about setting up two different phone numbers. Yeah, this changed everything for me because, you know, I, I would let messages go to voicemail and I'd get all these calls and 90% of them, I didn't want to talk to the other person. You know, it was somebody reaching out to me. And so I got this idea of using, in fact, I think Steve Anderson gave me this idea, is I set up a public phone number using Google Voice. So this is very parallel to the idea of email, a public number and a private number. But the cool thing about Google Voice is when you set up a number, it's free, by the way, you set up a number with Google Voice, it can use your local area code. When somebody calls that number, first of all, you can let it ring on your device or not ring on your device. You can answer it like any other phone call. I don't. It doesn't even ring on my device. It goes straight to voicemail. But here's the cool thing. And by the way, this is true for text messages too. They get emailed to me. So when somebody texts me on that public number, then I get the text in my inbox, or I should say Jim gets it in his inbox, and then it can be processed like any other uh, email message. It doesn't have to be synchronous communication. It's suddenly asynchronous communication. So we do it on our time when it's convenient to us. So the same thing applies in the phone system as it does in the email. So my family does have my private, my real phone number. Key executives in my company, Jim has that number. Everybody else has the public phone number. They don't know the difference. The only difference is that when they text me, they realize it's not an iPhone because it, it kind of shows up as an Android device. Uh -huh. And so I had one person say to me, hey, I'm confused. I thought you use an iPhone. Uh, that's funny. And I, I just was straight up. I said, well, you're actually going to a Google voice number because I don't give out that number. That's awesome. <laughs> well, That's so cool. uh, just, you know, Michael, I, I do think the cat will be out of the bag now that we're putting it out of the podcast. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> secret. Yeah. Bottom line, how much time do you think Jim saves you in the area of communication with others? Oh, my gosh. Probably a couple hours a day. A couple hours a day? Yeah. Mm. Jim, how long does it take you mm -hmm. to save Michael that time? I would say about five hours a week. So probably an hour a day um, I'm handling his communication. So, so you see the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's real leverage. Yeah, it's real leverage for two reasons. Number one, Jim is better at it. You know, these activities are in my drudgery zone. We've talked about the Freedom Compass before. These activities are in gyms. I don't know if you'd say they're in your desire zone, but you're certainly better at it. You're faster at it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as it turns out, you know, Jim makes less than I do. So, you know, just from a leadership perspective, yeah. that's a better investment for me. Hey, everybody. Nick Jaworski here. I'm the producer for Lead to Win. And I would have loved it if somebody a year ago had sent me this episode you're listening to today. I needed an assistant so badly. And here's the thing. I sit in on Michael Hyatt and company recordings, and I have heard them talk about the, the value of 
a VA, of an assistant so many times and it still didn't feel like it was for me. And if somebody, one of my friends, one of my peers had reached out and said, Nick, you can do it. Here's a podcast about it. I think that would have made a huge difference. So help out the Nicks of your world by sending them this episode through your favorite social channel. The Apple Podcast app will allow you to share episodes directly with people and make sure that you tag it with hashtag lead to win. Also, as we've talked about, there's a new show called Focus on This from Michael Hyatt and Company, and I hope you've listened to it. It's brand new, and it's all about personal productivity, and it's guaranteed to make you start loving Mondays again. So you can listen to Focus on This wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit focusonthispodcast.com. All right, back to the show. Well, let's move to the second area of operations in which an EA can really help you become more productive, and that's information management. There's so many things we talk about here. Let's dive in with one, maybe two, but I want to talk about expense management. Mm-hmm. Um, no, just shoot me. <laughs> yeah. The that, most is that I, in your drudgery zone, Michael? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, I don't know what, what is south of the drudgery zone, <laughs> but it's like the hate zone. So the most I can do is remember to keep the receipt, you know, if I'm out like at a restaurant or something, and write the name of the person that I had that meal with. And beyond that, you know, it's totally up to Jim. But Jim can go back to my calendar. Mm -hmm. Jim understands our expense tracking software. I don't even know what we use now. I don't care. I don't even want to know. But Jim handles all that. So he keeps us, you know, squared up with the IRS and our accounting department and keeps me out of trouble. Yep, yep. How's that work on your end? It's good. It's good. It's not, I wouldn't consider it in my desire zone either, but I think it's more my desire zone than Michael's. So I'm happy to do it because it takes off, again, takes off this from his plate so he could focus on only what he can do. Um, but the good thing is in terms of the process, Michael gets a ton of his subscriptions and stuff, mainly through his email. So I go through his email, which I have access to, and I could pull off his receipts from there. And then if there are any physical receipts, either he'll give them to Gail's house, um, Gail's personal assistant, Susan, who works from the house most of the time, and she'll take a picture of it and then send it to me digitally. And I'll load that physical receipt. Um, so that's the process that we use. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, just trying to take stuff off of Michael's plate so he doesn't have to deal with it. Now, a lot of this information that we all have to keep track of is personal. So, you know, you, we've already talked about personal expenses that crop up from time to time. So that involves personal credit cards. I'm sure there are other personal documents. Michael, do you give Jim access to, well, just what level of access into personal documents about your life? Well, I would say he has access to most stuff. Like he's got my personal credit card. He makes purchases on my behalf. He'll make personal purchases on my behalf too for things like, you know, to remember my mom's birthday or my parents' anniversary, that type of thing. There's some things he doesn't have access to. Like for example, things that I I count on my financial advisor to maintain. So anything related to my bigger financial picture, you know, I let the office of my financial advisor maintain all those documents and, you know, I don't maintain them. Jim doesn't maintain them. And that all happens or resides there. Now, there's some things that I do on my own, like Evernote. So for example, if I'm doing research on the web and I find a document that I think I might use as research for the basis of an article or something, I'll just save that to Evernote. 
But anything that's going to require a file being saved that I didn't create, that's really going to be Jim, Jim's domain. In terms of mental load, can you maybe quantify or give us an idea of how much stress, tension, anxiety, and all that, that Jim takes off of you by managing information? Well, I'm not sure I could quantify it, but I will say it just, it just frees me up to stay focused on the main thing. And anytime I get distracted by something like that, it could be frustrating. It can send me down a rabbit hole. It can keep me from completing something else. And it's just, again, it's just not a good use of my time. And so we know that when I'm focused on a handful of things, that's when it moves the company forward. That's when it moves me forward. And that's the best use of my time. So all this other stuff is, is, is again, just as a distraction. Add that situation where tracking down a receipt, for example, you think it's going to take you two seconds and right. it winds up being a 15-minute diversion. And, uh, and a good EA will take all of that uh, off your hands. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Let's talk about a third area, and this will be the last area that we'll cover in this podcast, third area of operations in which an EA can help you be more productive, and that is personal assistance. Now, I put this here for us to talk about on our agenda today because uh, we talk about it some in the book, but Michael, I think there are going to be people, maybe some EAs, who will come back with the question, hey, I was hired to work at the company. I'm not going to manage your dry cleaning for you. Right. What would be your answer to those folks? Well, first of all, it's a legitimate question. You know, and I've had this question. I had somebody object in social media just recently to this question, and, and they were very aggressive in it. But I, here's how I look at it. First, my executive assistant's job is to make me more productive. Sometimes that means, like we talked about, managing email, managing my phone, managing files. But in reality, it's anything that frees me up for higher leverage work. And so at Michael Hyde and Company, we don't make any distinction between work and personal tasks because life is a seamless whole. It all flows together. But there are some common sense limits to this, right? So I don't ask Jim to come over and you know mow my lawn on Saturday. I've got other people that, that do that. Um, I don't ask him to, you know, wash my clothes or prepare dinner. Frankly, I have other people that do that too. So um, there are some common sense limits on it. I don't treat him like a personal servant. Um, I don't ask him, you know, in the middle of the day to say, hey, I know it's like 10 miles out of your way, but would you mind swinging by Starbucks and picking me up some coffee? Because, you know, I don't want to run into the kitchen and make myself a cup of coffee. So I think, you know, we treat each other with courtesy and with respect. But Jim has a servant's heart and, and, you know, he's looking for ways to take things off my plate to keep me focused and, again, help me keep the main thing the main thing. Does that make sense? It does to me. Okay. I, I think it's good that we brought that up because it's, it's – in the past, I've always heard that as kind of a hard boundary. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, in the corporate world, it was definitely a hard boundary because – it would be called, like when I was working for a public company, misappropriation of corporate resources. So if I'm using corporate resources, if I ask Jim, and I've never asked Jim this, but I do ask Kyle, who works here at the house, you know, he picks up uh, my dry cleaning. He picks it up on the way in. He doesn't live too far away from the dry cleaner. And is it a good use of my time for me to take 20 minutes to go to the dry cleaner and come back? No, 
I can pay somebody. That's part of what he agreed to do. Not Jim, by the way, but another person we have working for us. That's what he does. But I, I can tell you where I, I've seen it abused. And I have a friend who used to work for a very high profile public figure. And she didn't know she was getting in for this, but he would literally call her at two o'clock in the morning what? with an idea oh or an assignment or request. And she never knew. And he seemed to be completely unself-aware that he was imposing upon her. There, there seemed to be no boundaries in terms of what he would ask her to do. And she finally just said, I had to leave that job. I, I believed in the guy. I believed in, in what he was doing. But the problem was I didn't have a life. And I had to put some boundaries on it. And I think, and Jim, you can speak honestly about this, but I think I do a good job of respecting Jim's boundaries. Oh, yeah. I don't hardly ever call him or text him, you know, after five o'clock at, at night or on the weekends. Occasionally, if I'm on the road and my travel falls through or, you know, I, I have to rebook a flight, I don't know how to do that. And so I'll text Jim and he's always very accommodating, but that's rare. Yeah. No, Michael does an amazing job at this with, uh, yeah, not texting me outside of normal working hours. And I was just recently on paternity leave uh, for the birth of our son. And during that six weeks of paternity leave, I mean, Michael was so gracious and he wasn't texting me throughout that six weeks and saying, Hey, what is this appointment? You know, he, he would message my backup, the person that was filling in for me during those six weeks. And, um, it was towards the end of my paternity leave that I, I texted him, something. I think the release of your book came out. So I texted him like, congratulations. And then Michael texted me. It was the first time that I had talked to him in like five weeks. And he said, thank you so much for your, your text message. I've been wanting to text you, but I know that like, I just wanted to respect your boundary of like having this time with your family. Um, so that just speaks to Michael and his character and yeah, the way that he sets up that boundary between that relationship between him and I. Okay, so this will be new territory for some people. These are going to be tasks that they're used to doing for themselves and think probably they should, but an EA could really help. Why don't you name some of those? What are you doing for Michael that would really fall into that personal assistance yeah. category? So one thing that I do that people sometimes are shocked that I do is I schedule all of Michael's date nights. So when I'm doing that calendar proofing process, that's usually when I'm booking the following week's date night. Um, and Michael and Gail usually go to a, a set few restaurants. So I make the reservation. Uh, I, I post questions, date night questions for them to help with conversation throughout the night. Um, when it's Gail's birthday... I look ahead of the calendar and I order her flowers and, and she knows all of this, but she the knows way, all so this. this is not a secret. Um, but I order her flowers. I try to make a, a, an extra special dinner reservation for them. Um, so that's sometimes a little bit shocking for You'll people. buy the birthday card. I do the, buy the birthday card. I try to find a really nice one that, that speaks to Michael and Gail's love for each other. And, and sometimes that's difficult because I'm like, oh, like, is this too mushy or is this too not mushy, you know? But to but, be fair, I do write the personal note. You do. And that's, I do. yeah, I mean, obviously Jim can't do that for me. Exactly. But Gail knows all this and I don't lose any credit. Yeah, it's awesome. She didn't care. She just loves that it's getting done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one one thing. Um, but to Michael's point, personal life and work life are interrelated. I know when I have a tough day at work, 
it often spills into my family life. If I have a tough time at home, it often spills into work life. So they're interrelated so much that you don't really want to split them up. And so I want Michael to win, as we often say, win at work and also succeed at life. And I feel like my job is to help in both aspects of that. Well, that tip alone, uh, if you have an EA and it's permissible in your context to leverage them in that way, that's going to save, I don't know, countless marriages <laughs> right, right there. That'd be awesome. <laughs> a, a, lot of, a lot of executives are going to be very happy and yeah. their spouses are going to be incredibly happy. We, we do this really with all relationships. Like he makes sure that, that my girls, I have five daughters, that they're all recognized on their birthdays, that my mom gets flowers on her birthday, that my dad gets something on his birthday, that there's anniversaries, all that kind of stuff, which honestly, I'm not consistent. That's a problem. You know, I might do it one year and then I'd forget, but it happens like clockwork and it makes me look like a hero. And so that's huge value to me. One of my daughters said just recently, um, I took her to lunch and she said, dad, this means the world to me. Oh, that's awesome. And honestly, it's, it's like I had the intention for years to do that, but I didn't implement the intention. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as leaders, we think, oh, I had the intention. That was enough. But nobody knows our intentions. They only can measure it by ac our actions. And Jim brings my intentions to life. We've heard a lot of information in this podcast, including the names of a lot of tools. Just a reminder, we're going to put all of those in the show notes, and you can check them out at lead2.win. And let's just review these areas of operation. If you're not leveraging your executive assistant in these ways, you could be getting more bang for your buck. And those are communication, information management, and personal assistance. There's more on all of those in Michael's latest book, Your World-Class Assistant, Hiring, Training, and Leveraging an Executive Assistant. And there'll be a link in the show notes for that as well. Michael, Jim, any final thoughts? I would say go out and buy the book. I know I'm a little biased, but go out and buy this book, Your World-Class Assistant. Uh, this book is your one-stop shop for everything related to having an executive assistant or being an executive assistant. If you are an executive with an assistant, you need this book. If you are an executive who has ever thought about having an assistant, you need this book. And if you are an executive assistant, you need this book. It's just going to save you. I go back to what I said in the beginning of the interview. Uh, our most important asset is our time. And by buying this book, you will be getting back time in your life. And isn't that what we all kind of want? It's hard for me to add to that, but I would say there was a period in my career where when I left the corporate world, this was way back in the 80s, first time I started a company, where I kind of arrogantly said, I don't need an executive assistant, I can do it myself. And I was a fool. Because what that did was it kept me from doing the things that mattered most. And that business, interestingly, failed. I don't think it was all due to the fact that I, I didn't have a world-class assistant or as an assistant, but I do think it contributed to it because I wasn't focused on keeping the main thing the main thing. And if I had done that, I would have gotten traction faster and I would have had bigger results. Well, as always, good advice and practical solutions. So thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jim, for being here. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Larry. And guys, thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll join us next week when we'll solve the number one problem that people have in using an EA, how to find one. Until then, 
lead to win. You know, as it turns out, you know, Jim makes less than I do. So, you know, just from a leadership perspective, yeah. that's a better investment for me. For sure. You knew that though, right? <gasps> what? <laughs> I thought I was the highest paid in the company. <laughs> this episode of Lead to Win has been brought to you by the new classic, executive, and bold full focus planners. Find out more at lead2.win slash planner.